Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We have an awesome opportunity today to continue our series, uh, If My People. And today I've asked someone to come. This, this woman is a woman of prayer. She understands prayer. She embodies prayer. And if you spend any time with this woman, you will know that the presence of God is with her. She's got a real belief that God can actually do what he says he can do. And so you're in for a treat today. Why don't we have Bassie come? Uh, and so she's going to bring the word today. Come on, let's put our hands together for her. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. The Lord. I am not comfortable standing here, but I have had help. And I'll tell you about who helped me at the end of this. Because without him, I would have shied away. I would have said no. So I will tell you about my friend who is so faithful. And he helped me to say yes and to come out here. I want to also encourage everybody. We started last Sunday and pastor encouraged us to fast. I want to encourage everybody, even if you can fast your Starbucks or Tim Horton, please do. And in place of this, replace it with a time of just seeking the face of God and just saying to God, what do you want for me this season? As simple as that. If Jesus, we're all followers of Jesus, and if he fasted while he was on earth, then we all need to fast. There are benefits. And also physically, it helps your body. So I want to encourage everybody as we go through this season that you ask God, it's good to start the year with a fast. Fast breakfast, lunch, and as you continue, the Lord will encourage you. The Holy Spirit will give you the enablement to do exactly what he wants us to do. Please, can we pray? Our Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We give you praise. We give you honor. There is none like unto you. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We give you the stage. We ask that you have your way. We ask that you do that which only you can do. We ask that you touch hearts. We ask that you use me as a vessel. Father, if you can use an animal, use me, Lord, and take the glory. Let hearts be open. Let your will be done. Let your word be heard today. Father, use me as an oracle of yours. Be thou glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. We started, our pastor started a series from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll restore their land. He talked last week about who the people of God are that are called by his name. Today, I want to talk on prayers. And the simplest way I would explain prayers is communication with God. It is just you talking to God. And you have to have faith. The Bible says in Hebrew 11:6, it is impossible to please God without faith. He who comes to God must believe that he is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he can do. And then he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you're going to have a discussion with God, you have to believe that God is right there with you. Because you can't have a discussion with a nobody. 
So the starting point for prayers is you have to believe that he says that he, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That the Holy Spirit is right there. And you have that confidence when you're talking that you're talking to a real God. A God that sits with you. A God that hears you. A God that has eyes and can see. A God that has ears. A God whose hands is not too short that he will not reach out and help you. And it is a commandment. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So he has commanded us to always pray. And above all, we are all followers of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus prayed like nobody else. So if we are to be followers of Jesus, we have to be men and women of prayers. I want to start this morning by going through some of the prayers of Jesus. And through that, we are going to see the elements, the key element of prayers. The first one is when he was baptized. That's the start of his ministry. The Bible says that when Jesus was being baptized, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. So Jesus, at his baptism initiation into his public ministry, prayed. And the consequence of his prayer was heaven opens. So I want to say to us, anytime as children of God we pray, the heavens open. God is attentive every time a child of God cries out to him. The second part of it is in Mark chapter 1 verse 35. The Bible says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. There is time for public prayers. There is time for communal prayers. But I want to encourage us like Jesus did. Start your day in prayers. The Bible says before every other person woke up, while it was still dark, he left and went alone to be with his father. Jesus is God, but he still needed to be in contact and stay constant with his father. So I want to encourage us from there. It's good, husband and wives, to pray together. But wife, as a person, as a child of God, have your personal prayer life with the Lord. Husband, have your own personal. It is when both of you are well connected that when you pray together as a family, it's fast. Because both of you individually are bringing an anointing that has been gotten from that solitary prayers with the Lord. So I want to encourage you, pray with your husbands, pray with your friends, but pray alone and start your day just like Jesus did. Another thing is if you're in ministry, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're cleaning, raising chairs, it is ministry. Because the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Jesus Christ, after he fed the 5,000, in Matthew 14, verse 23, the Bible says after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. You know, when you're ministering, virtue, the anointing leaves you. It passes on to the next person. You need to refill. Whether you're singing, whether you're praying, whether you're pastoring, whether you're lifting chair, when you finish ministering, especially if that ministry was done as unto the Lord, when you finish, you need a refill. Remember the story that when that woman touched Jesus, he said, virtue has left me. So when you're ministering, you're giving out, you're pouring out onto somebody. So when you've done that, before you go to the next ministration, refill yourself. Yeah. 
Don't go like Samson in the old anointing and thinking it's still there. No. Every time you give out, you need to be refilled. May God help us in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 5, 6 talks about Jesus again. It says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I want to encourage us to have a habit of prayer. It shouldn't be something you do once in a week. Just like Jesus, that was his habit. He withdrew. Let that be your habit. Begin to have a conversation. You're driving in your car and there's nobody with you. Begin to talk to the Holy Spirit. He's there. You're in your office and you have a difficult when I was working, when I have difficult files, I don't know how to draft. I used to draft agreements, exploration agreement, and I just wouldn't know what clause to protect the company I worked for. I would take time and pray, and all of a sudden, I'll just remember something. Something would just come up, and I'll draft it, take it to my VP, and say, oh, Basi, you're so smart, and I'll smile. <laughs> I have a friend that is smart, and that is the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 9, verse 18, it says, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples, disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? Jesus prayed with his friends. He prayed with his disciples. I want you to develop godly friends that you can pray with. Godly friends that when things are good, you call them up and you come up and you praise the Lord with them. Godly friends that when things are hard, you call them also and they travel with you. Jesus had friends. He had the 12. And like we'll see at other times, he had the core group. He had James, John, and Peter. So you need the large group and you also need confidence. In Luke chapter 9, verse 28, the Bible says, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to a mountain to pray. Those were his core group. You'll see later on that when he was traveling in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took them again with him. You have to develop that people, one or two. It, it may be your husband, but for wives, I'll tell you, not your husband. <laughs> From experience. <laughs> because you need somebody that you can honestly go to her or him, her, women and women, please. You need a woman that you'd go and you would vent and really be honest. You don't quote it. You don't say, let us pray about some marriages. You say, no, pray for my marriage. So you need that person or persons. Jesus, in his own case, had three, Peter, James, and John, where he took them. That's the story of the uh, transfiguration. And you need to travel in prayers. There is room for short prayers. There is room for long prayers. Jesus prayed overnight, all night prayers. Jesus did it. And when things are not happening, it is not the popcorn kind of prayers. When things are hurting you, when you see a life, when you see your loved one going to hell, when you see your finances just dwindling, when you see that sickness, that cancer, it is not a popcorn kind of prayers. It is a prayer where you travel. It is a prayer where you pray out your heart. 
And I want to also say, no matter how hard you do, just like Jesus, be ready to say, Lord, let your will be done. Let's look at Matthew 26, verse 39. It say, the Bible says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In verse 42 and verse 44, the Bible says once more, and he prayed the, the third time saying the same thing. I want to tell you that the popcorn prayers are good, but when you really have a burden, popcorn prayers are not going to cut it. I'll give you some personal experiences. When I had, Amy, sorry. When I had my third daughter, for four, five years, Amy couldn't say a word. She couldn't talk. We did all, the, they took us to all the uh, experts. They did, and it was prayers of the faithful. Every prayer group I went, I told people, pray for amen. And I held God onto it. Just before she turned five, one day the doorbell rang. And Amy ran to the, she used to have a temper because she couldn't communicate. She would throw things. The doorbell rang, my fr friend came in, and Amen looked at her, and Amen made a statement. And Amen said to this lady, what do you want? <laughs> the lady went out again and came back and said, when did Amy start talking? God answered, yes, yeah, she still struggles with written words now, Amen, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's... In grade 12, she still struggles with social and it doesn't matter. She's in grade 12. Maths, Amy would have 100. Physics, she would have 90. When it comes to written words, she still struggles. But I know that God has not finished with her. And I know that in spite and despite that weakness, God will take Amy to where God wants her to be. I want to give you another example. My second daughter, Ibi. When Ibe was 18 months, she was walking around. I came back from work one day. She was sick and almost lifeless on the ground. Took her to the hospital. They said she had meningitis. Gave her several antibiotics for two weeks. And then they discharged her to us and said, we're sorry, she's crippled. Her legs, because of the antibiotics, it was too powerful. She couldn't walk. And the church prayed with me. The body of God travailed. They called fasting. They called all night prayer meetings. And one night, I felt to go into my church alone. And I went to the pulpit and I prayed there. I, I slept off. And then I saw a vision of oil pouring on a baby's heart. I don't know what you guys call it. Bonnet, whatever. That heart that you... And, and I heard a voice say to me, just like the anointing oil is going into the head of that child you saw, so will my blood penetrate. And I stood up, I jumped up, I went to the hospital, I told the doctors, they were like, what is, I said, well, I'm going, I soaked 
a baby's uh, heart with anointing oil. And they said, well, it's harmless. It's just let her do what she wants to do. And I covered it and I laid hands on it and I decreed what I heard the Lord say to me. And yes, yeah, she couldn't still walk, but one day, just one day, IB started crawling again. So I want to tell you that there are times you have to travel and just hang in there. Just hang in there. But also be gracious to say, Lord, let your will be done. Jesus prayed three times. He was sweating. He was weeping. He, want, he did not want to go to the cross. He did not. I want you, it doesn't matter what people think. Tell the Lord what you want, but also be gracious to say, Lord, let your will be done, because the will of the Father is always the best for us. From all these, there are some lessons. The first one, I'll just go briefly, is pray for yourself. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed for himself. Lay hands on your children, mothers, fathers. Jesus did that in Matthew 1913, he prayed, lay hands on your child, begin to decree. Whatever you see that you don't like, decree against it. Whatever you want that you don't see, pronounce it. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood. What a priest does, it, a priest offers sacrifices to the Lord. And what a king does, a king decrees. And the decrees of a king is established. So when the Bible says we are royal priesthood, he says to you that, yes, you can praise me, but at the same thing, I have given you authority that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So I want to encourage you concerning your children. Jesus laid hands, bless the little children. When you see your children begin to go the ways you don't want to, stand as a father and begin to decree the things that you want God to do for them. And it will be so in Jesus' name. Jesus gave thanks for food. Don't just go to McDonald's and throw it in. <laughs> Give thanks, because in giving thanks, you're acknowledging that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. Pray in solitude. Church, I want to encourage us. Create a prayer room, a war room, a corner, a time. I want to give you a story. I am old. I am in my 50s. When I, started, <laughs> when I started working at 21, I made a covenant with the Lord. And I said to the Lord, by 12 o'clock, my lunch time, I would be with you. I want to tell you that every office that I have worked in, by 12 o'clock, there will be the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure in... As we go on, you begin, we would have lessons where we learn to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'll have meetings in my office with people and it's 12 o'clock and I'll be shaking so that they can leave because the Holy Spirit is there. He's a covenant keeping God. He says, my word, I will not break. And he says, whatever I have spoken, it will not return to me void. It will establish the purpose for which I have spoken. And he's not a man that he would lie. He does not change. He is a covenant-keeping God. So I want you to begin to enter into covenants with God. He, he's constant. Do your part. Whether it's five minutes, start with five minutes. And just say, I'm going to wake up. If the, the rest of your family wakes up by seven, just say, Holy Ghost. And he will wake you up. That's another thing. 
just say Holy Ghost by five minutes to seven. You can be, turn off your alarm. You would wake up five minutes to seven. As long as you're faithful that that five minutes to seven, you don't pick up your cell phone. That that five minutes to seven, you are praying. He will keep his part of the bargain. Praise the Lord. He maintained, Jesus maintained a relationship with the Father. He always prayed out, my Father. So you have to maintain. If you're not a child of God today, you can become a child of God now. And if you already won, you have to call, cultivate that relationship. Every relationship needs to be cultivated and maintained. And then Jesus showed us a posture and attitude of reverence when he's praying. It's not the time that it's prayer time and you carry your cell phone. You're showing disrespect to the Lord. It's not a time of prayer and you go, you do, in my country we call big man. No, you're talking to the king of kings. You're talking to the Lord of lords. If you have the privilege to stand before your head of state or prime minister, you'll be trembling. So it's a privilege, it's an honor to go before the king of the universe, the Lord of lords, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the rose of Sharon, the one that holds your future, the one who gave his life for you. So I want to encourage us, when it's time for prayers, come with reverence. Whether you want to sit, but come with a heart of reverence. Come knowing that he, he sent his son. It is the blood of Jesus that gave us the privilege to enter into his presence. Otherwise, none of us, it used to be the priest and the priest only. And those priests, if their lives is not right, they die and they pull them out. So when you come in prayers, acknowledge the finished work of grace. Acknowledge that it caused Jesus Christ's life. So don't come with an attitude of, okay, another thing, Pastor Ryan, he likes to say, close your eyes. No, come with the humility that you're coming before the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pray in times of anguish. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, about three in the morning, Jesus cried out in a loud voice when he hung on the cross, Eli, Eli, lemma sabathani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father did not forsake. Even when you feel forsaken, even when you have prayed, Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus did all that the Lord, the father asked him to do. And he still, in his humanity, he still felt forsaken. When you feel forsaken, cry out to the Lord. Two and a half years ago, when I was laid off from work, I felt God forsook me. And I cried out and I said, God, I did this for you. I obeyed you. I paid my tithes. I did. Why, why? You have forsaken me. And in that time of feeling forsaken, you'll feel the presence of God and he'll have a word for you. He will lift you up and he'll give you a glimpse. And looking back now, I miss the money, but I'm thankful I am where I am. Looking back in the life of my daughter, Amy, I couldn't have asked God anything other than to be with her. Don't be a hypocrite. When Jesus, in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus encourages us not to be hypocrites, not to pray so that men will see us and think you're a very good prayer person. He says, when you want to pray, go into your closed doors. 
And your father who sees in secret will reward you publicly. The testimonies of your life would be the evidence of your prayer life. So you don't need to pray so that people will see. When God begins to answer those prayers, people will see it. And if you don't talk to God in private, it is just a show if you try to do it in public. You know, it is as a result of all this that the disciples saw that they went to him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, they say, uh, the Bible says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And as he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us, just, teach us how to pray just as John has taught his disciples. So children of God, I want to tell us that prayer has to be learned. John the Baptist taught his disciples. So his disciples of Jesus said, teach us just like John taught his disciples. So we are all learning. It's grace to grace. You think you know how to pray this. The Holy Spirit will teach you another dimension. When you are in another circumstance, the Holy Spirit will. That's why as a prayer person, the weapons of your warfare can be so different. You might think you're binding and casting and you go into the presence of God in an, a similar situation next time and the Holy Spirit just wants you to praise God. And it is just praise and worship, praise, and you'll be, ah, no, the last time I quoted scripture. So it is something we have to learn. You can't take it for granted. And then Jesus taught them how to pray. We will go briefly, we'll go briefly on how he taught. But before we start, I want to re-emphasize Hebrew chapter 6, 11 verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he... For anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith, your starting point is God, help me to have faith. The Bible says even if it's as small as a mustard seed, you don't need to have a big faith. Just ask God, give me the grace to believe that you are who you say you are. That's the starting point. And then Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, he said, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, thinking they will be heard because of many words. It's not a repetition. It's not, prayers is not a repetition. Please differentiate repetition and babbling with persistency. Persistency is going to God with the same thing. You see the example of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says he said the same thing. Father, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to the cross. And it did not happen. He went back, Father, take this. It's different from just saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. That is babbling. Yeah. It's mindless babbling. Yeah. Also, differentiate it, the uh, the Bible, Jesus taught his disciples about importunity. Remember the parable of the unjust judge, where the Bible says this judge neither fears God nor man. And there was a widow in his city that was not given justice. She went to him and he ignored. And the widow kept on going, persisted until one day. The Bible says this man neither feared God nor, but just to get her out of the way, he gave her justice. Remember the example also of Jesus that uh, the example that Jesus gave of the friend who had gone to bed and his friend had a visitor, went and knocked and he said, go back, I'm done for the day, I can't open my door. The friend said, nope, I still need some things to feed my visitor. And he kept knocking and the friend woke up and gave him what he wanted. That is persistency in prayers. 
That is, you just keep knocking. It's not babbling. It's not repeating a written prayer that you find in a devotion book. No. It has to come from your heart. Even if you're still saying the same thing to God, you're persisting on it and you're saying, God, you haven't answered yet. Please differentiate those two. Praise the Lord. Sorry. Okay. So Jesus went on to say, to teach them how to pray. And the first one he says, our father who art in heaven. We've already said everybody has to have a relationship with God. And then you have, who is your father? A father is the person who protects you. So when you're coming to God, you have to come to God knowing that he's your father and he can protect you. A father is a person who provides. He's the head of the family. So when you come to him, you have to come with a mindset that he's Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide for me. When you come to God also, a father is a person who disciplines. So when you come, you have to come with a mindset that where I went wrong, my father will discipline me. A father disciplines so that you mature. So you have to think of him. If, even if unfortunately you've not had a good earthly father, you have to come to him with a, with a heart that he is your heavenly father, he loves you, he cares for you. And that he would do all that it takes. It may not be what you want. Like when your kids are young and they say, I want to play with a knife. You're not going to give him a proper knife. You're going to give a toy knife. So you're not going to. So our father in heaven is not also going to answer our prayers the way we want it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so. I'll just read a few things I wrote. A father protects and the child abides. A father provides and a child is thankful. A father instructs and a child emulates. A father disciplines and a child matures. A father touches and a child responds. A father commands and a child obeys. A father is loving and caring. So all this about our heavenly father, you can only know it through the Bible. So a starting point for you to pray is to read the Bible. You have to read the Bible because it is only in the Bible that you'll be able to have a glimpse of who your heavenly father is. It is only in the Bible that you'll be able to have confidence that you're not praying amiss, that what you're praying is in line with his will. Amen. And then the next thing he said, he taught them is, hallowed be your name. It's reverence. It's adoration. When you want to come, don't just come with a long prayer list. Begin to worship him. And how do you do it? Call him by his names. Begin to worship him for who he is. And begin to thank him for what he has done. Begin to thank him that you have eyes and you can see. There are many people that can't see. You're not better than them. Begin to thank him that you have foot, feet and you can move. That you have hands. Begin to... Take time, count your blessings, name them one by one when you come into the presence of God. Sometimes you find out that the Bible says that God is enthroned in the praises of his people. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. And man, David knew how to praise God. David said, I'll be more undignified when he was bringing the uh, ark of God back to the city of David. He danced so much. He did not think he was a king. He 
He did not have regard for his person. So I want to encourage us, if we want to go into being people of prayers, ask that the Holy Spirit will give you the spirit and anointing to praise God, to be a worshiper. The Bible says those that worship the Lord will worship him in spirit and in truth. So that when you begin to worship God, you enthrone him. In my culture, when you want to get things from rich people, when they go to party and you want to get things from you, find the, uh, the drummers. They begin to call them by name, oh, tall and handsome man. You're the richest man in Lagos. When you move, Naira falls on you. And you see men stupidly. When they begin to sing their praises, they begin to start spraying money. Spraying money. If men can stand up when they are praised, then know that it is a fact that the Lord is enthroned. He doesn't need your praises, but he's happy that you acknowledge that he is who he is. He knows that it is only faith, and he knows that it is only his spirit that would release you to go into the realm of worship. And then the next one is, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, kingdom of God is not just bread and it's not what we eat. It's not just the physical. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, is peace, and is joy in the Holy Ghost. You begin to ask that what is established in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no injustice in heaven. There is no sadness in heaven. So you're saying, God, establish your rule in my life. Establish your rule in my government. When you begin to hear things in government where they say a boy can be a girl, a girl can be a boy, you know it is not God's righteousness. And you begin to decree. That is asking God, let your righteousness as it is in heaven, let it be established on earth. Or you begin to see that your child is sick. There is no sickness in heaven. You begin to decree Jehovah, you are Jehovah Rapha. As you reign, victorious in heaven. Let this sickness leave my child. You begin to call down the reign of the Lord to be established in your life. And you begin to see things change when you keep standing and say, Lord, let the kingdom of heaven be done. And also in your own personal life, you begin to say, God, I don't know what you have for me, but let your will be done. I don't know where I am. I don't know this season, what is happening. Like, I don't know. In December, my children were praying for me and saying, Mom, do you want another job? Should we pray for a job for you? And I just, and I was honest and I said, at this stage, all I'm saying is let the will of God be done. Because the will of God is so good. The will of God is so good. I lost my job two and a half years ago and my husband's salary was cut. He cut it into 50% so that he can retain his staff. And when I prayed to the Lord, the Lord said to me two things I would promise you. You will not lack financially. And he said you will not add weight. <laughs> it meant something to me because I used to be 250 pounds. And I felt without eating, without going to work, I'll just start eating. And when I went into prayers, those were the two things that the Lord said to me. And I want to tell you, God has been faithful. Even with some months, no money coming, God has been faithful. I'll just digress a bit and, say, and give you this story, sorry. When we moved into our house about 10 years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, pay off this mortgage. And I was like, no. I said it with my husband and he said, no, 
We use that money, we'll invest. Why would we pay off at this? And I said to him, I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit. I heard clearly, not once. And he said, okay, where would you get money to pay it off? And I, if he said it, he will make a way. And God did make way. God did make way. And within three years, we paid off the mortgage. We did not know what was going to happen where we are now. Because if we had carried the mortgage, the mortgage for my house would have been like 3000 or 5000 At this stage, we would have had to sell the house because we had months that no income came in. None as in none. I'll give you another testimony. Two years ago, when um, we went on holidays, when we came back, my house, our house was flooded. Our bathroom pipe busted. And from upstairs, the three floors were damaged. We called in the insurance people. We were away for two weeks. We called in the insurance people. They came in and they looked at it and then they asked us the basic questions. Was somebody in the house? We said no. They quoted a clause in the insurance that if you're going to be away for more than 10 days, you have to keep people checking in there. They started. As the insurance man was there talking to my husband, I felt the Holy Spirit tap me. And I went into another room, and the Holy Spirit said to me, begin to pray. And I prayed. I went back. I did not know. I just asked the man, what would make it covered under the insurance? And he said to me, well, if it is a mechanical thing that could have happened with or without you being here, then it would be covered. So I said, that's all. He said, yes. He looked and he said he'll come back the following day. He has to write his report. He went away and I went in there, laid hands on it, and I said, God, because initially he had said it was a bust pipe. I laid hands and I said, Holy Ghost, I don't know how you're going to do it. It has to be paid because the insurance came back and said it was more than 100,000. The second visit to our house, the same man, assessor, came in, used his uh, torch light, looked into it, and then he looked at us and he said, is this the same house? And we said, yes. He went out, checked the address again, came back in, and said it was a pause by, but I now think that one uh, not, he said what he said, he now said it was mechanical. But he said, I have done this for 30 years. I've never had to change my report. (laughs) And I just went in and I just laid on the floor and I said, Father, I bless your name. I just began to give thanks to the Lord because I don't know what happened. The Lord knew that I did not have 100,000 for a repair. And the Lord knew also that I wasn't going to tell a lie to say that somebody was in the house when there was nobody. So the Lord did that for us and insurance covered it. The place was restored. I want to tell you that our God is a faithful God. Praise the Lord. Then the next one he taught them is, give us this day our daily bread. You have to acknowledge what Jesus was teaching them was acknowledge that I am your provider. So he wants you to daily go to him and say, provide for me all that I need. All that I need is physical and spiritual. So I want to encourage us to daily ask God, give me the word for today. Give me the word for today. Praise the Lord. Then he goes on to say, forgive us our debt as we forgive those that have sinned against us. So 
You have to live in a life of forgiving others. Whatever people do to you, unforgiveness blocks your prayers. God will not answer you. The Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not answer you. Unforgiveness is a sin. And the Lord will not answer you. It's an abomination. So begin to ask God before you pray. Ask God, give me grace to forgive. It doesn't matter how, especially for the people that you love. They are the ones that hurt you the most. Ask God to give you the grace to forgive so that as you forgive, God will forgive you as well. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Whether you like it or not, the devil will tempt you. If the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, you as a follower of Jesus, he will always tempt you. So preempt him. That's what that verse wants. Preempt the devil. Ask God, lead me not into temptation and deliver me. If I fall into it, deliver me. He is a mighty deliverer. Then, to the part I love so much, I did say I was going to introduce you to my friend. He is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was, when he finished his work on earth, he said, I will pray that the Father sends you the comforter. All these things we have said and more that you know, you cannot do it of your own. No matter how hard you try, you cannot do it. You need the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus said to his uh, disciples, remain here, stay here until I send you the Holy Spirit because it is impossible. No matter how hard you try, it is impossible to do any of these things without the help of the Holy Spirit. He is my friend. He is my helper. The Bible calls him the comforter. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter. While Jesus was on earth, he was the comforter. And you know, the, the beautiful thing about Jesus going away is that the Holy Spirit is with all of us. Jesus was restricted with only his 12. He was only physically in, in a particular place. Now the Holy Spirit, when I go to Chapral, the Holy Spirit is with me. When you go to River Bend, he is there. So I want you to cultivate, acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, the Bible says he helps us to understand our inheritance in God. When you start wondering, why am I even a Christian? The Holy Spirit is the one that will help you to understand your inheritance. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22, the Bible calls him his seal. When a legal document is sealed, it means it's authentic, it's legal. He is the seal that God puts on you when you gave your life to Christ. So I want you to acknowledge him. I want you to make use of him. I want you to make him your friend. Honestly, personally, when we talk of God, I talk of Holy Spirit because he's the one I know. He's the one that helps me on a daily basis. He's the one that speaks to me. He's the one I cry to. He's the one that touches me. You know, sometimes you're so down. My husband most of the time is away and I feel so lonely. When I go into prayers, I feel his warm embrace. Initially, I used to be so scared and I'll just open my and think. Then I begin to understand that it is the Holy Spirit. Oh, he is the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says he gives us power to witness. We are going to start doing door-to-door -door, uh, evangelism sort of. It is the Holy Spirit that will give you the boldness. 
you sit in a coffee shop and you feel something in your heart to share your testimony with somebody and you're not able, call the Holy Spirit. He gives you power to be a witness. A witness is somebody who has experienced. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be. A, all you have to do is share your testimony and share that I believe in Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that gives you boldness to testify. In Ephesians 4 verse 3 to 4, it is the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to love. There are so many people that are unlovable. They've done so much against you. But the power of the Holy Spirit helps you to love them. It is the Holy Spirit that helps you to live in unity. We don't have to like ourselves as a church, but we have to love ourselves. We're different people, but the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to love and live in unity. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10, He is your guide, He is your direction, He is your instruction, He gives them to you. You're undecided, what should you do today or what should you wear? Sometimes it's so ridiculous, it's as simple as, should I wear this? He's your friend. You have to begin to relate with Him as a friend. You know, just like you wear this, ah, it's too tight, should I? Play with Him. Be that gentle, be that... And then he's the one that helps us at warfare. He's the one that gives, don't go, don't be like Samson. Don't go on old ways. Before you start a spiritual warfare, begin to ask, what do I do? Go there, he's the captain of the host of heaven. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you. He would Sometimes he would tell you, go on a fast. Another time he would just tell you, praise me. Another time he would just tell you, break, read the scripture. Listen to him. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 20, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27. It says, in the same way the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for or how we ought to pray. But the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He makes intercession for saints according to the will of God. Paul said, I pray in tongues. I am not preaching any doctrine. I am only introducing you to a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm only saying to you, I have tasted and I have seen that he is real. Whether you believe it or you don't believe, this is my testimony. That the Holy Spirit is the baptizer and he gives you a prayer language. That is tongues. And the Bible says in Jude, Jude verse 21, that when you pray in tongues, you build up yourself. And the Bible says that when you pray in, in the Holy Spirit, you pray mystery. You pray what the devil doesn't even know. But above all, you pray the mind of God. So I want to encourage us to seek being filled with the Holy Spirit, with evidence of speaking in tongues, because it helps you. As a child, I had very short attention. And in prayers, I couldn't last more than five, 10 minutes. But when I don't engage my brain, when I just open my mouth and I trust the Holy Spirit, it just goes right. And then I can pray as long as, because I'm not thinking. So I want to encourage us, round up and I encourage everybody that set a time and place for prayers. That is the starting point. And start by praise and worship. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Read a Bible passage, whether it's only one verse, 
When you finish reading it, close it and ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? Speak to me, Lord. He will start to speak to you through the words in the Bible. And then you thank him back. Like the end of uh, our Lord's prayer, it's another thanks you say, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Before you leave the presence of God, begin to thank him for what he has done. Begin to thank him because by eyes of faith, he will do that which you have asked. And better still, he'll do it the way he wants to do it. And all things, the Bible says, all things work together. It doesn't matter the form or the shape you see it. The Bible says all things work together for us because we are children of God and because we are called by his name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.